Hi, I'm Shania. And I'm Evita. You're listening to the 11th episode of Making It Women in Film. A podcast where we sit down with women working in the film and TV industry to talk about their journey, experiences, advice, and the importance of diversity in front and behind the camera. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with Sundari Zina. She is a filmmaker, editor, and producer based in New York. In 2015, her short film, Love Comes Later, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. And in 2019, she came out with her directorial feature debut, Stray Dollars. This is her story. And just a little disclaimer, again, we are still in lockdown, which means that these are recorded through Zoom, so the audio isn't always great, and it kind of sounds like you're on the phone with some of us. So just, you know, get into it. Lean back and pretend that you're on the phone with us, and um, let's talk. And welcome, Sunjui Sinna. Is that how you say it? I just always want to make sure it's right. Yeah, you actually said it um, correctly. Sunjui Sinha, that's Mm -hmm. right. I I get the last name thing, like, (laughs) being from... Like my name, my last name is so Scandinavian that Scandinavians can barely pronounce it. So uh, I get the struggle. <laughs> How do you say it? Uh, Ditlafsson. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Ditlafsson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> okay. Um, just to get started, um, do you want to just talk about how you um, began in the industry? Sure. So um, I went to uh, William and Mary as an English major. Um, went to be, you know college to become a writer, but sort of fell in love with film. I was also a dual film studies uh, major as well. So sort of watched all the auteurs and you know really fell in love with the art form. Um, so I knew that when I graduated, I, I actually combined my studies at Tisch as well and did a bit of uh, film production there. But as I graduated, I knew I wanted to, you know, make films one day, be involved in it. And my my way into the whole field was actually through editing. I became an assistant editor um, at an international company um, that actually started in the UK. Um, and then I made my way to an editor there and then you know as an editor got to work with some great directors um, including Spike Jones and Harmony Corinne and really got to sort of learn sitting across from them as an editor and you know seeing the footage that they had shot and really sort of learning storytelling um, by being an editor Um, so that that was really my my foundation into storytelling and then about five, five, six, seven years ago, I started to write and direct my own short films while I was still editing. Um, and one of my early short films uh, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. So that was an incredible experience to be there because they they're so selective um, and they only choose, you know, 10 films out of thousands of submissions. So once I was there, that's when I really started to think about, you know, how to how to grow storytelling and how to, um, you know, really get into long form and and write a feature script. Um, so then so that's when I started to write straight stray dolls, which was 
really kind of an expansion of one of the short films I had I had shot, the one that played at Cannes. So um, started to expand the world in a motel, um, expand the characters, um, you know, expand the themes and sort of really think about themes and what was relevant happening in America at the time too, because Trump was just elected. Um, so yeah, so all of that was part of the journey into Stray Dolls. Mm. With editing, how do you think that affects the way that you write and direct now? Maybe particularly editing documentaries, because that is so much about creating that narrative that has been filmed over such a long time. Exactly. I mean, I think, you know, editing documentaries is, is one of the hardest things I have done. It's one of the hardest things I think people do. I think, you know, when you begin shooting a documentary, you're really just grabbing everything you can get. There's, there's no script usually. Uh, I mean, you're lucky if you have a treatment and a character, but it really all has to come together and has to be written in the edit. So, you know, in the edit, you're creating, you're selecting the character that's going to take you on a journey. You are selecting the story arc. Um, you're, you're creating act one, act two, act three um, from, you know, 400 hours of footage, maybe more. Um, and, and you're really creating each scene and, and how each scene leads from one to the next. So it's um it's exhaustive um documentary editing can take from you know a couple of months to years i mean some documentaries are edited over 10 years um and you know and some screenplays are written over 10 years so it's really the construction of story that takes place in the edit room and it's it's a really um yeah i think it's it's a really critical process and and became my uh, sort of doorway into the writing directing process and i take you know i bring my editing eye to set all the time because i'm constantly thinking about well how is the scene going to cut am i going to start on the wide or is the scene all about this close-up and so i really try to be very economical and efficient with my choices on set and with my time on set because I've already sort of processed like, well, this is not needed. This is not needed. If I have time, I'll get this, but it's not the core of, you know, what the scene really is or what the story really is or, um, or what we need from this character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I recommend, <laughs> I, I recommend, yeah, for any young filmmaker to, edit maybe not their own work sometimes it's really hard to edit your own work because um it kind of feels like you're doing surgery on yourself because you're I, at least i'm really self-critical so it's always great to work with an editor but i recommend you know working editing other people's work so you can really tell like you know maybe they should have shot a close-up here because this scene is all about you know the emotional beat needs to be communicated in a close-up and it's not here and so really understanding like what is needed to construct um, uh, a scene an emotion um, uh, something that's gonna you know carry the audience from one to the next um, and how to really uh, let an emotional beat land mm -hmm with an audience. It's something 
having editing in mind while I write, something I've been much more conscious of in this year, because I remember watching a Beyond the Screenplay video on YouTube about a Parasite script. And apparently in Korea, it's very common to write in the editing in your script. Um, so it's all written with the purpose, like it's all, it's all collective, like editing isn't just post-production, it is within it. So that's something I've been paying attention to so much lately. <laughs> and it really just benefits me so much because I'm like, oh, I need to like, this makes such a difference, actually having the full image and knowing where you want the different shots to be and the different impact, the emotions, all of that. Yeah. And also, and also in terms of pace, like, mm -hmm. you know, is this, is the scene supposed to be really like fast, you know, does this, so then if you know that scene's going to be really fast, then in the directing process, you're, you're telling your actors and performers to like, you know, you're going to rush into this room, you're going to do this and that, like it, I think it just affects your whole pace on set. If you know that the pace and the edit is going to be really fast or like this scene is really slow you know we're going to really hone in on this emotion and we're going to go slow here and so then you can craft a performance as you're directing that you know sort of really creates a pace that you're gonna mm -hmm. later um you know that you can later shape in the edit but the more you know about the end the better you are in the beginning <laughs> Well, I was wondering, with each project, how do you come up with the idea, especially with your short film, Love Comes Later? What, how did you come up with that idea and why did you think it was important to tell that story? Yeah, um, you know, I was, it's interesting. I was doing some, I, I knew I wanted to make a short film um, and I knew I wanted to sort of uh, take inspiration from true stories um, and true immigrant stories. So I was doing a bit of research. I was volunteering at, um, at, a, at a shelter in New York that, that uh, rehabilitates uh, women who've been sexually assaulted and women who've been trafficked. And so I was volunteering with those women and sort of helping them, you know, build their lives up again and, you know, get back in looking into jobs and sort of prepare them for the real world again. And so I was trying to immerse myself in a lot of true stories so that I could sort of take inspiration from one of those true stories and build a narrative, create a fictional narrative that was sort of inspired by, you know, what these women go through who are undocumented um, in America. So the kernel started there and then I loved um, the idea of shooting at an American motel because uh, the setting is so, um, I think, iconic and cinematic, and it's been used in, you know, in cinema by auteurs, American auteurs, since the 60s, 70s, and it's this, you know, iconic American institution. Uh, you know, the neon I find really. Um, visually stunning um, and exciting. So I was looking into like how to make these real stories work within motels. And, um, you know, a lot of motels are owned by Indian American, uh, Indian Americans in the US and Indian immigrants in the US because motels were going into foreclosure in the 70s and uh, Indian immigrants were immigrating then and there was so much discrimination that they couldn't find jobs. So they ended up taking these motels and, and uh, sort of reviving them and um, 
reviving these foreclosed motels. So I thought there was something there with that setting. It was a whole world. And then, um, you know, take inspiration from true stories and, and create something there. So that was what I sort of kept coming back to. And, and to, I get a lot of ideas and I sort of write everything down. But the idea that sort of sticks and the one that I keep coming back to is the one that, you know, kind of starts to just expand organically on its own. So I wrote a 10 minute short film. It was all set in a motel with three characters. I wanted to keep it simple. Um, I think both for economic reasons and, you know, the economy of a short and a short film, uh, which is only 10 minutes. Um, I, I sort of wanted to really focus in on one character and one simple journey that that character goes through, so. When you are writing your characters, um, do you, write with representation in mind or does it just happen that way um yeah so write with um people in mind or actors in mind or uh no um so do you write characters um and cast people with like diversity at the like the front of your mind or does it just naturally happen that way as i know um your films are quite diverse in your casting. Yeah, I mean, I think it sort of happens organically. Um, I don't try to be too prescribed about that process. I think that that sort of happens organically, but that goes to show us that, you know, that's why we need so many more, you yeah. know, writers and directors who are women and women of color and, you know, different kinds of people, because I think, you know, for decades, like white men have been dominating yeah. um, Hollywood and the film industry. And therefore we kind of see the same stories over and over again, and we see the same casting over and over again. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when you just allow for different voices to, uh, you know, to, uh, make their way through you just organically start to see different casting that you didn't see before or lgbtq stories or you know i just think we need all these other stories so desperately now um we're sort of at a point of crisis when it comes to you know storytelling and also other things but um yeah i think it's it's so important like who tells the story and who's in control of telling that story because mm -hmm. conscious and unconscious decisions get made um, and those reflect, you know, that trickles down to the audience and that trickles down to representation and what the audience can, you know, see themselves in and the stories they can see themselves in. Yeah, we've said previously on this podcast that, like you just said, to have diversity in front of the camera, you need it behind and you're just a prime example of that. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, when it was selected for Cannes, how was that feeling? I mean, that is pretty huge. Yeah, that was, it was an incredible experience. We actually only applied to, <laughs> we only applied to Cannes. It was the first um, <laughs> festival we applied to and we got in. So it was kind of, um, yeah, just a, just this incredible feeling. And then, and the doors that that sort of opened from there on, because it just, I mean, mainly, to be honest, for myself, because I, I think I could start taking myself more seriously as a writer, director, 
and not just an editor. Um, so I think it was a bit of a turning point just for me to uh, sort of remind myself to invest in that side as well and, and invest time in you know, the stories that I went to school wanting to tell but had sort of taken the back seat um, all the years that I'd been editing, so. Yeah, I mean, go big or go home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when you started working on Stray Dolls, I, I know that you were a producer on it as well. Was that important for you? Uh, I think it's something not a lot of people are maybe that encouraged to, to be on their own movies, but that is really where you get that say in the production of it. So how was that a very important decision for you? You know, I it, I initially went into thinking that the producing was not going to be an important decision. All I needed to find were, you know, producers who were going to support me and support the story and fall in love with it the way that I loved, you know, in, in the same way that I loved the story so much. Um, but the more that I started to, you know, uh, develop the film and, and work with people, I, I started to realize exactly what you're saying that you know as a producer you have a lot of say you have a say on the final um editorial cut the final cut uh you get a vote um a lot of times even on smaller independent films if a producing team comes in or a financing team comes in they won't let the director have the final cut even on a first independent film so I thought that that vote was really important. Then as a producer, you get a vote on the distribution team. So I got to be involved in that process. Um, and then beyond that, you are involved in, you know, day-to-day -day decisions like how do we hire a crew and who are, are we going to hire? And, you know, you have a lot of say, and I think all of those things are just make or break. And especially on a first film and a, you know, independent first film. So, I think it's it, it's it was a really important decision, and I think for women, and especially women of color, I think it's important to step up and be a producer, especially on your early films, or you know, just just so that you have a say in all of these ways where the story can just be usurped from you, essentially, or taken in a different direction. So. Um, yeah, so I think it was important. I, I may not do that on all my films, um, but but I think it was important for Stray Dolls to really control as much as possible what I was trying to say mm -hmm. and what my voice was on, on my first film. Yeah. And do you have any advice for um, people who are looking to start producing? Yeah, so just just start up like focusing in just on producing and starting that or doing producing as well as writing and directing. Um, just maybe producing on their own films or yeah, young yeah. women in particular. Mm -hmm. We we had a we had a listener write in um, asking for advice on how to start a career in producing, which I think is awesome. Um, having like such a particular interest in that um, and was wondering if you had any advice for that with your experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think to start producing, you can really, if you have a community of filmmakers around you or writer directors around you, I think you can start there um, in your community and seeing if a writer director has a short film that they would like help 
producing on. And, you know, I think if you start with producing short films, then there's a highly, it's highly like, likable, uh, it's highly like, wait, what am I trying to say? It's, it's highly, it's likely that, <laughs> that that writer director is gonna make a feature one day. So I think if you connect with a writer director as a producer and you get to produce the short film, then, you know, um, later in a year, maybe month, maybe a few months, maybe in a couple of years, you can, you can be the first in line to direct their feature. I mean, sorry, direct, uh, produce their feature. So I think really just building relationships and, um, starting small with shorts. I mean, I worked with the same producer who produced Love Comes Later on Stray Dolls. And in fact, she became my co-writer on Stray Dolls and then also the producer on Stray Dolls. So you just, you know, make these partnerships um, on short films that can then carry you into features. And then you can, you know, produce an independent feature and then go on to do bigger features and keep expanding that even more. Yeah. Especially, it's really good you say that about short films and people who are maybe just starting out and directing and writing because creating your first short film is a lot of work and having a producer there is going to help you so much. So don't just be like, oh, I can do this on my own with this one other person. Like, no, no. you. once you start, <laughs> you're going to want as many people as you can get. So, yeah. Exactly. And maybe you can even be part of, I mean, film schools do this really well, where, you know, uh, you, you produce somebody else's film, then you write and direct a film and they produce your film. I mean, I think relying on your network and really creating kind of a family around you uh, when it comes to film is so great and so helpful. And then that way, like, you know, if one person succeeds with something and they're building a bigger crew, suddenly they're hiring you as a producer on it, or um, suddenly they're hiring you to direct an episodic because they sold a show. So I think building your crew is so important. And by crew, I mean, not just for your film, but like building a community around you uh, with like-minded sort of inspired people who want to make stories and who have a voice and um, who are, you know, it doesn't matter what level of success you're at, but even if you just start forming it with people who are just playing around with stuff, I think it, it just grows exponentially over time. Yeah. Great advice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and with Straddle, something, I was just recently rewatching it again, and I just always come back to how real it all feels like even though I don't know maybe it's also with your background in like documentary work and that observance but it just really rolls so easily um and another thing I loved was how none of the characters were um perfect um there were a lot of I don't want to necessarily say flaws because in the environment they were in how can you really you know um it, there's a lot of nuance there but something I really liked was I, I see a lot of people nowadays um, if they have to write characters from like a marginalized group where they will almost put them on a pedestal and not give them any weaknesses or any flaws and there's no conflict there's nothing to work on there's no real journey there but there was so much in Stray Dolls um, how did you did, 
was that something that just came naturally to you or do you ever feel the pressure of having to have perfect character or not have the pressure of misrepresenting anyone Mm, I, I think that's such a good question, but um, because there is this, I mean, I think right now, if you look at the landscape um, of what's in the media, what's in film, well, first of all, you see that most of the directors and writer-directors are white men, mm. right? And then, and then you see that, like, the stories so far that we've been watching of people of color and people who are marginalized or underrepresented are all like they, they they fit into such a small box and then and then you look at our society and there's so many issues with socioeconomic disparity and racial inequality and gender disparity and you start to realize that like we are not seeing these characters as fully human right because i think a fully human person gets to have flaws as well as strengths it gets to have have weaknesses as well as you know things that we root for and it's really that whole range and that whole spectrum that unless you don't see all of it um, you're not going to accept them as fully human so so they become these archetypes right they become these victims or these survivors or these you know people that we sort of feel pity for but we don't see them as our contemporaries we don't see them as somebody that we fully relate to so so I think in my storytelling, it, it's really important to create characters, and especially these characters who are people of color or from underrepresented communities that are fully formed, that sort of, you know, um, they make messy human decisions just like anybody else, just like the white people we've seen doing for decades, <laughs> right? Um, they get to make those mistakes and but then they also have these redeeming things that you sometimes root for but you know sometimes you don't agree with them i think that whole push and pull is so important to um i think just just to realize people as fully human but then also to provoke your audience to um and push them to you know uh see characters that they've never seen before um, and sort of leave them with a lot of questions about, you know, about our world that, you know, may not have simple answers, but I think as writers, as directors, as storytellers, it's, it's our duty and respons responsibility to inspire these questions in an audience. So I, th I feel that responsibility a lot and and I hope that there's more storytelling out there that can really um, take us out of these really small boxes that we've been put into up until now. And I'd like to sort of see, you know, yeah, people of un underrepresented communities just doing like all kinds of crazy roles um, because unless we see that, we're never gonna get to this level of sort of true equality. We're so far from it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, before this episode, we asked our listeners if they had any questions for you. So, if one of them. Ask us questions. Go to our Instagram. <laughs> oh, great! Well, I need to go to your Instagram and vice versa, so that yeah. we can kind of connect yes. when all of this comes out. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. Um, one of them wrote, "I am in New York City. How do I get into the New York film scene without going to film school? Do you have any?" advice on that? Yeah, um, 
I would say track down. I mean, I, I feel like years ago there would, there used to be a site called Mandy.com. I don't know if it's still there, but it was the site where they would post, you know, production assistance needed and sort of like crew needed. And I would just say to sort of find that or find that sort of forum online um, or on social media. And then, you know, start by just being a production assistant on a set and see if you like it. And then again, start to like build that community around you from there. Like maybe you meet the writer or maybe you meet the director and you know, you get to be a production manager on their next thing that they're doing. Um, so kind of slowly taking it step by step and really building that community around you. Or um, I would look for entry level positions at production companies or um, editing companies and you know, see what you like and maybe as an assistant production person or assistant editor, maybe you can start to like meet directors and really again, start to build that community and, and go from there. So I think there are ways to do it. I didn't do a grad film program and I didn't do a very formal film thing. I just did like a little bit at Tish, but um, yeah, you can find ways. I mean, now there's social media, so there's so much. I mean, even following you guys on Instagram or following, you know, I think a, a whole set of young people who are like mm -hmm. trying to make films could be a great way to just like, you know, start hanging out yeah. together and working together basically. I am pretty sure Mandy is in the UK as well because I have a feeling I once signed up for that. I have so, it. I, I'm oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll link it. We'll link it down below then um, so people can go check it out because yeah, there, there's so many great websites where you can just, you know, write if even if you don't have experience um skills that you have a lot of skills transfer into different positions and it is that evil cycle of oh you need to have experience to get experience and that but um even then you can just maybe start doing something on your own and then say that you have experience in that and just slowly build on it um, exactly and everybody needs a driver on set so <laughs> yeah. like, you just be like I, I can drive and like somebody will hire you you know I mean you're not I, the truth is in this industry you're not gonna get hired immediately to be a director um, or even to be an editor or a cinematographer you really have to kind of prove that you've been doing it for a while for people to then hire you um, that's the only thing but um, but I think it's worth learning to get to that point because the more you put yourself in different crew positions and the more you know ipa'd i you know i've assistant edited i've edited you know the more you kind of know these different roles the stronger you will be as a writer director mm -hmm. so um it's almost good to take on those roles and just yeah. drive the crew around just so you know everybody mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really important to remember that uh, it is only people with family in these industries who start out right away. Like, don't, like, you've heard about yeah. Matt Damon, but, you know, just look into his family and you'll find out the truth. Um, so... <laughs> what is, what happened to his, what's his family connection? Well, well, they're just, um, I've just, uh, now I have to look up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But at uh, least with, yeah, you're right. At least with like, you know, Sofia Coppola or something. Yeah. But she's also an incredible director. So you can't really. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but but um, also just now you can go on IMDb and you can see where all the directors yeah. started out for us and all of their work. And then it's just, you know, take all the stairs. And we have another question from Hannah and she asks, other than watching films, what is something a young aspiring filmmaker can do during COVID? Oh, yeah, so much. Um, you can listen to interviews. I love, um, like, Hollywood Reporter does this, like, roundtable. They do oh, actor roundtable, cinematographer roundtables. I, like, just, I watch that endlessly. Um, I read articles. I read books. There's so many, like, director biographies that are really great. Like, um, like Sidney Lumet has a biography which is or not biography but it's like on directing like a book on directing and I love I love his book Elia Kazan has a really good book that mm. goes into performances um there's this um thing called Masterclass. I don't know if oh, you yes. guys know that mm -hmm. excellent Oh, amazing and then they have everything they mm -hmm. have like Natalie Portman is teaching you acting and you know Samuel L. Jackson is I mean I would just take all of that because oh yes it's also just so important to learn like what actors do, what actors go through, what, mm -hmm. you know, what uh, writers go through. So just, I think there's so much online, especially on YouTube and mm -hmm. um, it's, it's inexhaustible. Oh, and then podcasts too. There's um, one of my favorite podcasts is off camera. Oh, yeah. um, it's with, it's at Sam Shepard. It's right. It's Sam. And, um, yeah, I think Sam Shepard, but um it's so great. And then there's also the DGA podcast, which is mm. great. And they interview directors. Um, I just, yeah, it's like inexhaustible resources now. Yeah. You don't need film school at all. No, you don't. You got so many things. This would be like perfect if we had like sponsorship for Masterclass or anything. What I will say about Masterclass <laughs> is for anyone who isn't, even if you're not acting, Natalie Portman's acting class. It's something so important that that's really underrated as a filmmaker is understanding the acting process, like understanding how to communicate with the actors and all that is so important. So if anyone's interested in that, Natalie Portman is amazing and so insightful. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. She's, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but also I would say, I mean, even with COVID, like a friend of mine was doing improv classes on, um, on Zoom. But I, I just think like stuff like that is all great for writing, for directing, like the more you kind of, the more random stuff you know, the, the better. <laughs> if you know improv, great. Like I think it'll help you with pacing and timing and what to say when the whole crew is really tense and mad at you. You know, it just, I think all of that sort of will take you on that path. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, uh, I've been joining this writers group on Zoom. Um, and that's something most cities, most small areas will have uh, writers groups that you can join as well, where you just share your writing and talk about it. A lot of them are doing Zoom meetings, and that's a really good way to have other people give you feedback, uh, as well as reading other people's work and connecting with them. So that's a really good way, uh, especially if you're feeling a bit lonely, then um, just having like an organized meeting every week is a really good thing and also keeps you going in your writing and motivated. So that's something I'd encourage people to look, uh, yeah, look for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And then also, um, you can download screenplays of, mm -hmm. you know, all the sort of like Oscar winning screenplays are all just online. So 
I, I love, what I love doing is like downloading a script that I haven't seen and I read it and then I imagine like how I would direct it. And then I watch the movie to be like, oh, that's how Ridley Scott directed it, you know? And, and then you kind of like compare notes. So I love doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been loving reading scripts. I'll, uh, I have a website and uh, we'll link it down below for anyone. It's got most movies and that. Um, so you can go check that out because it's it's really cool to read the scripts and see where it was what happened scenes that maybe got cut out and stuff like that it's it's really interesting um and And so many directors started off writing like kurosawa was just like a writer for years until Mm -hmm. they let him direct one of his own scripts so a lot of people say writing and then editing are just so key to like then knowing how to direct Mm -hmm. I mean, Greta Gerwig, she was writing for how many years, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she went to school for playwright. Play, mm-hmm. I mean, playwriting, yeah. 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 So uh, we always ask, just at the end of the episode, about a woman uh, or women. It's always women, because it's never just one. Uh, who inspires <laughs> you, uh, whether that's in your professional or personal life. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Um... Wow. I mean, there's so many again. uh, I mean, I'd say my mom. I mean, I think a lot of us will say that, but, you know, I think she was so ambitious and uh, was so career driven. And even now I look to her for just so much strength and inspiration and encouragement. So she still continues to inspire me. She's in fact starting to write too. She's a, she's a doctor, but started writing later on, like just a few years ago in her life. And she's just this amazing like closet writer so again she's just a source of inspiration constantly but in terms of directors i will say one of my favorite directors is jane campion um who did the piano which is one of my favorite films um you know i just think again her female characters are so flawed and so strong and yet so messy and so human and um, and yeah, the worlds that she builds around these characters are just also so immersive and um, so layered. Uh, so she's, she's one of my favorites that I can just at any point go back to one of her films and feel really like all, all inspired. But actually a recent female director that I recently watched, um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And uh, Celine Shiyama, I might be saying her last name wrong, but she's like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant filmmaker. So, um, so that film, you know, recently I was like, ah, like I feel so inspired now to kind of go out there and do something really unique and dynamic. So, but so many, so many out there. Yeah, no, Celine is amazing. All of her work is just chef's kiss it's just divine yeah. <laughs> yeah um before we go is there anything you want to say to any woman out there listening right now um who's looking to get yeah just searching for something um is there a new message um i would say i would say like stay hungry and restless and keep searching. I mean, even if it's not this one thing, but keep following your instincts and sort of keep doing something small that sort of takes you to what you're searching for so that, you know, it just keeps growing.
Uh, where can people find you? Uh, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Um, yeah, Stray Dolls. That's my recent mm -hmm. feature. It's on um, Amazon Prime and Apple and probably YouTube and Voodoo and all these platforms. It'd be great if people check it out. It's, um, you know, this incredible cast of Gitanjali Thapa, mm -hmm. Olivia de Young and Cynthia Nixon, independent filmmaking. It's like female writer directors and um, or I mean, female writer director, but also like behind the ca behind the camera, we were a lot of women and in front of as well. Um, and then and then yeah, just um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. I yeah, if, if people want to reach out, I'm I'm around. I'm totally reachable. So that's awesome. Uh, I also think straight off, if you're in the US, it's free with your Prime subscription. Um, so anyone, please go watch it. It's excellent, and you will not you will not regret it. This has been the 11th episode of Making It Women in Film. We hoped you enjoyed it just as much as we did. If you want more, you can come join our community of women filmmakers over on Instagram at Making It Women in Film. See loads of behind the scenes footage, Q&As, opportunities, announcements, recommendations, statistics, uh, and more. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next one. All of our socials will be linked in the description box, as well as places to rent and watch Stray Dolls. See you next week.